in many ways, to the modern mind, this tabernacle is very strange. And yet, it reveals to us profound truths and realities that change our world, change our lives. I pray today that as we look at your word together, considering the the lampstand in the tabernacle, Lord, that you would bless Ellie as she shares with her. May your Holy Spirit be upon her and speak through her to us. May our hearts be open to receive what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, all the uh, things that have sort of happened this morning with mum spouting and um, dad spouting and, and, the, and all the songs actually really fit in uh, very well with, um, with the candlestick. Um, we'll find out about this, this lampstand and, uh, and actually how it, it is a picture of us, the church. So um, uh, we're going to start uh, by reading the parts in the, uh, in the Old Testament that talk about how the, the, the lampstand should have been made. Um, do I need to do a kind of a synopsis of how we've, where we've got so far? I suppose I could. Uh, we've, we've talked about how uh, this tabernacle was um, uh, commanded by God through Moses um, whilst uh, they were the Israelites were wandering in the desert after Moses had rescued them, or God, through Moses, had rescued them from, from Egypt, and they were in the desert wandering, and they were there for 40 years, and God wanted to be with his people. Um, and this was the way that he was going to get to live right heart in, the, in the heart of, of his people. Um, and uh, so uh, we, we had the outer area, um, which was open air, um, and there was a, there's an altar for, for the animal sacrifices, and there was a laver where uh, the washing happened. And then we're coming to this kind of structure, uh, which um, Ma- Dad, Dad Martin, I don't know what to call him. <laughs> He's my dad, I'm just going to call him Dad, just, just in case you hadn't made that connection, which I think most of you didn't know that. Um, uh, talked about the last time was the, the, the walls of this sort of inner sanctuary were wood covered in pure gold um, and set in silver feet. Um, uh, and so, uh, and then the, 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 um, there was no roof to it. It had these material coverings over the top, which Paul talked about the, the previous one. Um, and uh, so, so actually on the inside, you would have seen those gold walls, um, and then the, you would have seen the, the, the fabric covering on the top. Um, on the outside, you wouldn't see the gold walls, but on the inside, you would have seen these, these shining golden walls, and the reason you would have seen them is because of the lampstand. I think other than the lampstand, there would have been no other light in there. You t- turn that off, and you wouldn't be able to see a thing. These coverings would have been like, uh, what are they called, those curtains? Blackout curtains. <laughs> Uh, you, you wouldn't have seen a thing. So this lampstand actually is very, very important. Let's read. Um, we uh, hear about the lampstand in Exodus, which is the, um, the kind of the story of uh, Moses and the Israelites leaving Egypt. We also read about it in Leviticus, which is sort of a book uh, of uh, uh, 
rules, I guess, ways, ways of living, uh, sensible things you should do in your life. And the Book of Numbers, where also there are uh, recordings of history. It's all history. Um, so let's start with, um, we can have the, the first slide. So Exodus, if you want to follow, uh, 25. I think I've, this is the NIV version. Um, so the first one is Exodus 25, verses 31 to 40. I need to go back. I think I've got them in the right order. Is that the first one? Shouldn't be. Oh, there we go. Exodus 25, verses 31 to 14. The lampstand. And uh, in, in Hebrew, it's um, menorah. Um, and you may have heard that from your school days. I remember learning about the synagogue and the menorah in the synagogue. So they still use menorahs uh, in their synagogue now. It says, make a lampstand of pure gold. Hammer out its base and shaft and make its flower-like cups, buds, and blossoms of one piece with them. Six branches are to extend from the sides of the lampstand, three on one side and three on the other. Three cups, shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms, are to be on one branch, three on the next, and the same for all six branches extending from the lampstand. And on the lampstand, there are to be four cups shaped like al almond flowers with buds and blossoms. Next page. One bud shall be under the first pair of branches extending from the lampstand, a second bud under the second pair, and a third bud under the third pair, six branches in all. The buds and branches shall be of one piece <coughs> with the lampstand, hammered out of pure gold. Then make its seven lamps and set them up on it so that they light the space in front of it. Its wick trimmers and trays are to be of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all these accessories. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So that's the Exodus 25. Then we go on to Exodus 27, verses 20 to 21. Oil for the lampstand. Command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light, so that the lamps may be kept burning. In the tent of meeting, outside the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant law, Aaron and his sons are to keep the lamps burning before the Lord from evening till morning. This is to be a lasting ordinance among the Israelites for the generations to come. And then we move to what it says in Leviticus about it. The Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light, so that the lamps may be kept burning continually. Outside the curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant law in the tent of meeting, Aaron is to tend the lamps before the Lord from evening till morning continually. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. The lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord must be tended continually. And the last one is Numbers 8, 
verses 1 to 4. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to Aaron and say to him, When you set up the lamps, see that all seven light up the area in front of the lampstand. Aaron did so. He set up the lamps so that they faced forward on the lampstand, just as the Lord commanded Moses. This is how the lampstand was made. It was made of hammered gold, from its base to its blossoms. The lampstand was made exactly like the pattern the Lord had shown Moses. Okay, quite a detailed description, actually, of what the lampstand looks like, and I hadn't really realised about all the blossoms on it and how uh, descriptive uh, they are in Exodus with the, with the, the kind of um, uh, the almond and then the bud and then the blossom. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. So I'm going to give you some sort of facts about the lampstand to start off with, um, and then we'll perhaps look into a bit more of the symbolism to do with it. Um, so first of all, if we have the, uh, if we have the picture, that will probably help. Um, okay, so that's um, how it might have looked in the, uh, in the inner not the inner, inner sanctuary. You can see the curtain through to the Ark of the Covenant um, at the end there with the angel's cherubim on it. Um, so we've got the, uh, the candlestick was uh, thought to be on the left, and then there's a table with bread on it on the right, which you'll hear about uh, on another session, and then an incense altar also sort of in between the two. The lamps, the, this picture of the candlestick, I think it's totally facing the wrong way. I think it would have been... Um, uh, more sideways, uh, so its light could project forwards. Um, at the moment, it's sort of projecting forwards the wrong way. Um, uh, and the next one? Okay, so uh, that was a sort of picture I thought was f fairly good. However, it doesn't show each, each um, blossom on it. doesn't show the three parts. Um, but that's possibly what it, what it would have, have looked like. So you've got the middle shaft and then you've got the six branches coming off it and you've got the four buds and flowers in the middle shaft and you've got three on each side, uh, so on each of the other six. Um, okay. It's not a candlestick. Um, it's a lampstand with olive oil, so you can see at the top there, uh, bowls where the olive oil would, be, would have been held and a little hole for the wick to go on. So therefore, it's, it can be directional. You can direct them whichever way you want, which is what it said in the, um, in the Bible passages. Uh, wax candles would have burnt out. Uh, you, you, you have a moment in a wax candle where when you're changing it, the light has to go out because you've got to take out the old wax, put in a new one. So wax, I don't even know if they even had wax candles back in them days. They don't, they're not mentioned at all in the Bible, wax candles. I think we just use them in our churches nowadays for convenience because they're perhaps uh, less of a fire hazard maybe. I don't know. Um, so, uh, uh, so as long as the oil is topped up, the light can keep on burning. Uh, it's made of pure gold. It's not wood overlaid with gold. It, this is solid, pure gold. It was hammered into its shape. So it hasn't been poured into a mold like we make our jewellery nowadays. Um, it's, it's, 
it's been worked and hammered, I would imagine it might have been heated up to have helped it mould easier. Um, but uh, this, that's really significant that it was hammered. We'll come to that later. It wouldn't have needed to have been heated. I did try and find out all about this. So, I, I, yeah. Um, okay. Um, it was made to the design that God showed Moses. Um, so Moses must have described or drawn in detail for the craftsman um, to make. There was a, so there was a clear purpose in this design. God was really clear as to how he wanted it to be. Um, and uh, the, nothing tells us of the actual significance of why God wanted it like that. That is incredible, because that's for us. He did that for us. For the generations to come, which is amazing that God had in his mind us 5,000 years later, 4,000, I don't know. Amazing. Anyway. Uh, okay, so there was no measurement, just a weight. So one talent. Now, um, you can't, I can't find an answer. Um, uh, it, it's um, so I had three. I had three different answers. One was seventy-five pounds, one was one hundred and fourteen pounds, and one was about one hundred and twenty-five pounds um, in weight. So I don't know if they know exactly how much a talent is, um, uh, but one is it, it's pretty heavy. That's the weight of a person, isn't it? If not more. Um, so that's the weight in gold that the lampstand was going to be made out of. That's a huge amount of gold. Um, and I, I looked up scrap value <laughs> on just on even nine carat gold of that weight would be 718,755 pounds. So imagine pure gold is going to be at least double that amount. So this candlestick in today's value would have been about a million and a half pounds in money. It was expensive. Uh, there were, so there were almond cups, buds and blossoms, four on the middle stem and three each on the six branches, so 22 altogether. Um, the only light in the holy place came from the lampstand. Uh, it stood on the left as you entered the curtain, and the light faced forward to light up the area in front of it. Okay, so let's go on to talking about some of the significance of all this. Um, uh, Dad mentioned a couple of weeks ago the meaning of the, of the different materials used. Can you remember what gold was? Not kingship. Divinity. <laughs> you were listening. <laughs> She'd better listen. Um, so gold is for divinity. Pure gold. No wood this time. So no um, human inside covered with divinity. This time it's, it's pure gold. Um, so the thing that lights the, the, the place is, is God himself. Light comes from God. In the beginning, in Genesis, God created light. There was no sun. The light just came from him. 
um, and in the end, right, so, so beginning and end, in Revelation 21, verse 23, we read that the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Jesus is the light in the world, and he is God. So the shape of it, the significance of the shape, it had this main shaft. Um, apparently the Hebrew word is yarek for, sh for shaft, which translates mostly as thigh. So like the strongest and biggest bone in the body. Um, and it's also translated as loins. Uh, so um, there's a passage in Judges uh, when uh, it talks about coming from the loins of Jacob um, and sort of birthing. So uh, yarek Apparently, that word is also used for for kind of being the head of of, um, of a generation of a nation. Um, there were six branches coming from the main shaft, and they were attached to it, so would be pretty useless on their own. So there's not really many prizes for guessing. The six branches are us. Six is a number that's associated with mankind. Um, we were created on the sixth day. We have been molded out of the main shaft. I am the vine, and you are the branches, Jesus said. And we are now partakers in his divinity, sons and daughters of God. We are also pure gold. 1 Peter 2 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. But we've got to remember that Jesus is the middle lamp. He's the one that casts its light higher than the others. Hebrews 1 verse 8 to 9 says, But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Um, so let's talk about the construction of it, this hammering. It was hammered. Um, you can't tell that by looking at it. It was beaten and beaten and beaten, maybe thousands of times over. Um, suffering, pain, hard work. It's clear that this is a picture of Jesus pure gold and perfect, beaten and hammered. For what purpose? What came from all this beating? Something so beautiful, probably the most beautiful thing in the whole tabernacle. Us. God's church, his people. It was possibly, I don't know, I, I tried to look this up as well but couldn't find the answer. It's possibly the single most expensive item in the tabernacle million and a half pounds, that much gold? Don't know. 
I couldn't, I couldn't find any answer to that, but I... Okay, it's covered. This is the only pure gold. Over wood. What a treasure. Um, I looked up how to hammer jewellery. There isn't much of it on YouTube. <laughs> um, it's usually only used nowadays for creating patterns on gold leaf. So you hammer out patterns on very pliable, flat gold. You, uh, you don't tend to hammer gold into its shapes nowadays. Um, uh, I, I think probably also they don't use this soft, pure gold that you were saying. It's really soft, soft enough to be hammered because um, that's useless for jewellery, isn't it? You can't have jewellery really that's pure gold unless it's an ornamental decoration. Um, so, but actually, it's really hard. Um, uh, watching this, this guy, Hammer, he was literally just had a gold ring, and he was using a special, uh, a particular type of hammer uh, to hammer little indents in the gold ring. And he just, he said, you can only know how hard to hit it through years of experience. Hit it too hard, and you lose the shape of the metal. Hit it too soft, it doesn't make any... Uh, it doesn't make a mark big enough, um, and uh, you have to hit it just right. And this is only just making little sort of um, a rough surface on a coin. It's not, not at all the intricacy that uh, this candle, this, this lampstand would have been. Um, so this was built by somebody who had years of experience um, and must have spent ages and ages bashing, hammering, moulding, measuring. You've got, to get it, you've got to get it symmetrical. It's not going to stand up. Our salvation is bought at a great price. We were talking about that earlier on. And the beauty of Christ and his church is not easily achieved. No human actually could achieve it. We can't boast in our own beauty and salvation. We can only boast in Jesus Christ. So let's move on to the uh, decoration. Each decoration was made up of a bowl. Um, another term for it was a calyx. Oh, she's ahead of me. Okay, so this is kind of zoomed in and, and perhaps a slightly more accurate, I don't know, idea of what the each flower um, looked like. So it was made up of a bowl or calyx, a knob uh, or a bud, and then a flower um, at, the, at the top. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of generally in the, in the uh, research that I did, it's generally accepted that the bowl or calyx was the almond. Um, the knop or the bud was a fruit, um, and they think uh, probably pomegranate. It was designed as a pomegranate fruit, and then a flower that was widely thought to be a lily. Um, and these have significance. Um, lilies speak of Jesus in his life of purity. Solomon speaks about the lily of the valley. Um, Jesus was pure and beautiful. Uh, the pomegranate is um, an emblem of fruitfulness. 
So we talked a couple of weeks ago about the fig tree that didn't produce fruit and then was cursed. The pomegranates um, on the lampstand show that Jesus and his church are purposeful and produce good things. The almonds symbolize um, resurrection and new life. Once when the Israelites were grumbling against God, he tells Moses to put um, 12 staffs in front of the ark, and each um, staff represented the leader of each tribe. Um, And it says in number 17, the next day Moses entered the tent and saw that Aaron's staff, which represented the tribe of Levi, had not only sprouted, but had budded, blossomed, and produced almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from the Lord's presence to all the Israelites. They looked at them, and each of the leaders took his own staff. The Lord said to Moses, put, a- put back Aaron's staff in front of the Ark of the Covenant law to be kept as a sign to the rebellious. This will put an end to their grumbling against me so that they will not die. The almond was a sign that Moses' heart was right with God. Uh, sorry, Aaron's heart was right with God, and his staff gave life in the form of almonds, which obviously a sign of life. So the almond there represents a, a new life, resurrection, the pomegranate, the fruitfulness that comes from, um, from being grafted into that shaft, and then the flower, the beauty um, of Jesus, the lily of the valley. So these pretty decorations are not only on the central staff, but on the branches too. We now also carry the symbols of purity, fruitfulness, and life. The light. The, each lamp probably was like those that the Egyptians and other nations used, a shallow covered vessel, more or less oval, with a mouth at one end for the wick to stick out of. Um, The middle light we've talked about was Jesus, the light of the world. Those that follow him will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The other lights reflect the words in many places in the New Testament, such as in Philippians 2, verse 15, uh, do, uh, do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. I'll come on to that in a second. The light was to shine in front of the candlestick. So it's thought that this, um, this would have actually lit up the, the lampstand itself, as well as the area in front of it. The light of the lamps drew attention to the glory of the lampstand. Our light must shine to attract others to the glory of Jesus. As David said in Psalm 36 verse 9, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. So the light also shone on the other articles in the sanctuary, um, which... 
I don't know the significance of until we do the next talk. <laughs> but I th it, it sort of it, it shines on um, whatever the other, whatever the symbolism is in the table with the bread. I think there were 12 loaves of bread um, and on the incense. So we can see clearly our salvation. So next talk. Remember, when you're talking about the bread, the only reason you can see it all clearly is because the light is shining on it. Um, so I didn't read this anywhere, but um, the light must have bounced um, off those golden walls, illuminating the whole sanctuary. And a golden light is really warm, isn't it? It's glorious. You, Christmas lights, you sort of... Driving through... Eastbourne at Christmas, I much prefer to see the golden coloured lights than I do to see the white lights or the blue lights or the red lights. I don't, I, the golden lights are just much more, they're just more welcoming, warmer. I don't know if that's just me. <laughs> I've got people nodding, so maybe it's not just me. Um, so this golden light would have been in the, in the sanctuary. Warmth and welcome. Okay, finally, the olive, or, uh, the olive oil and the wick. Without the oil, the light cannot burn continually. Olive oil, when you get anointed, Holy Spirit. Without him, the source of all our life, we can't shine. Simple. We are the wick that needs continual trimming repairing and tending to night and day but the wick is trimmed by the high priest himself it was Aaron's job to do this and with scissors of pure gold so who's doing the trimming if it's pure gold God himself divinity None of the ash would have fallen to the ground as the scissors probably, uh, this talks about the trays, they possibly looked like this with a little kind of ash catcher on them. So as you trimmed the, 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 the burnt piece of wick that wasn't needed anymore, that wasn't producing any light anymore, fell into the box so that none of the sanctuary would, be, would get dirty. It's a delicate task. He's gentle with us. And it's necessary so that we can shine brighter. Okay, so I've kind of talked about the main symbolism in the, in the lampstand. Uh, there was, there, I got more questions, um, and there were some other things that I discovered in, in, in reading. Um, like the fact that the, um, the olive oil and the gold had to be produced by the Israelite people, sort of self-sacrifice of the, of the people, the, the humility, the, the giving of their possessions. Um, that's what created the light. Um, the fact that there are 22 flowers, uh, each with a sepal, a bud, and a flower, 22 times 3 is 66. 66 books of the Bible. I read that somewhere. It might be significant. I, I do not know. I'm getting laughter for that. Uh, I read someone somewhere has put, put
put that idea together. Uh, there were also 22 generations from Adam to Jacob, who was the father of the 12 tribes. I don't know. And the number seven. So many links to the number seven that I could have got into, but won't have time. Um, so, just to sum up, what value God places on his son and his people. We are beautifully crafted, not as individuals, but together. We shine brightly and constantly through the Holy Spirit within us. We are carefully taken care of so that we continue to shine brightly. We have our King Jesus at the centre as the vine holding us up, the branches. This is a picture of Jesus in this church. That's not what we see in our minds every day. Life doesn't feel like we're lit up on a solid gold ornately decorated lampstand. Sunday mornings don't often feel like this at all either. Scrappy, messy, and we're not much to look at. Sorry. <laughs> How is it that God doesn't see us like that? And I was really pleased, actually, that Mum did her little spiel earlier on, because it, that highlights exactly what God does see. He sees that Steph, uh, through her, this family of God, turned to faith, kept going with God, with our help, and is seeing the fruit. She's a pomegranate. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of the family of God. Throughout scripture, we read how through Jesus, God has transformed us into new creations. God has made us righteous and heaven-worthy. So much so that his Holy Spirit is willing to dwell within us. The olive oil, that pure olive oil is within us. Don't let anything on earth tell you what you are worth. Only let God give you your worth. You're not worthy because of your job. You're not worthy because of the amount of people you help or the amount of people you talk to about Jesus. You're not worthy because of the status of your marriage, the amount of money you have, the fact that you can run 10K, the fact that you have children, the fact that you have a musical talent, the fact that you have been a good neighbor, the fact that you're a reliable friend, the fact that you don't judge others, the fact that you're liked by others, the fact that another human loves you. None of that actually gives you your worth. And we all crave those things, don't we? You are worthy because God worked really hard. Candlestick and sacrificed everything to be with you. You are worthy because he says you are. Amen. Amen. And I, I, you know, it was interesting when she said, when Ellie said uh, 22 times three books of the Bible, I think we all felt, no, that's, that's pushing it just too far. 
Don't think we'll go with that one. But the rest of it didn't ring true. And it's just how the, the one of the scripture. Thank you, Ellie, very much. I just thought we... Anyone got anything, you know, just something that struck you? Something that struck you? Laura? Yeah, yeah, no brokenness there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was th- thank you, yeah. Yeah, Jeffrey. Um, the, the symbolism of the oil and the Holy Spirit, um, it, it's right at the heart of it. Um, but I felt, actually, when I heard at the start that you were going to speak on the lampstand, and Martin spoke about the donut and the emptiness. There is a connection that I, I felt... Um, it comes. There is another reference to the lampstand in the Old Testament, right in the second to last book of the Old Testament, the Old Testament Zechariah, when the angel of the Lord shows uh, Zechariah a lampstand, um, and Zechariah answers, "I see a gold, solid gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it, with seven channels." to the lamps. Also, there are two olive trees beside it, and the olive trees were feeding the oil through these channels to the lamp. And then, uh, uh, and he answered, do you know what these are? This is the, the angel said, do you know what these are? No, my Lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord Almighty. And now in Hebrew, um, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, is seven words. And so um, the, in the Jewish understanding, the seven lamps are the, and the seven words go together, and that text um, is really the... the, the not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord, is the, is the key to the lampstand. And, it, and in a way, that was what you were saying, that it wasn't the, the, the ring around it, it was the emptiness in the middle, which the Lord fills by his spirit, by the oil. I, I'm sure it, it, it. You know, we did the seven words from the cross the other week. Yes, that's right. And it, it could well, you know, especially I think when you, you know, that was the hammering too, wasn't it? You know, on Jesus was was hammered out of one piece, and and as, as Laura said, but not one bone in his body was broken. But yet that uh, it it, sh- it just beautifully links together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm encouraged by that, Jeffrey, because um, talking about you know how we've Sue and I have reminded ourselves about it's the hole in the middle that's important. Um, someone once spoke to me about my my own personal life and ministry, and they said you are Zerubbabel, and that so that passage Zechariah four has always been a very special passage to me personally. That and that scripture, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Robin. I think the 
people with the with medical because he come from he's seen the sins of many people. Yeah. Now you if you read about the painting thing, something must have happened in his heart that transformed that pagan temple, you know, primitive that's what he built for them to understanding the the nature of God who wants to come to us. So there's something that And I think it, it, it's to do with this, again, this, this sort of emptying. There was an emptying that went on in, those, that, in that, then that period of time, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's right. And it's not the, the glory of, 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 the, of Egypt that God is seeking. It's actually a people in the desert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Sean? Yes, in your example, I mean, when you look at the Revelation, it, it, it represents the seven churches. Yes. 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 They were, at the time of writing, they were surviving, but some of them, as time, you know, God did actually take the lampstands away. That's right, that's right. So we, we the, the oil needs to keep flowing, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder if we can just wrap it up. Perhaps those of you that have, have just spoken even can just take what you've shared and express it in a prayer in some way. Yeah, would that be possible? Don't mind who goes...